Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church, located in Newberry, Florida, where Rocky McKinley is our lead pastor. Thanks for tuning in. Here's today's message. Today we begin a new series called People on the Path. And during this series, I want to speak to you about three types of people that are on your path. Three types of people that are on your path. The first group of people are are people put there to discourage. People put there to discourage. The second group of people are people put there to encourage. And the third group is people put there with courage. So people put there to discourage, people put there to encourage, and people put there with courage. And as you go through life, you will encounter people who discourage you. They are there to keep you from moving forward because you've got a destination, you know where you're heading, and they don't want you to get there. And you're also going to encounter people who encourage you. They are there to help you move forward, to to give you that little lift when you need it. And they give you the courage that you need to make it to that destination. And finally, you will encounter people that have the courage to go down that path with you. And when you find those people, those are the people you really want to hold on to because they'll fight some battles with you. Uh, We'll get to the latter two later in this series, but today I want to focus on the people put in your path that will discourage you. People put there to discourage you. When I think about people who have tried to discourage me, my mind always goes back to the pastor that stopped by that little old sanctuary where we started Destiny Community Church. I'll never forget as we were renovating that, some of you have heard this story before, but, but we were renovating that sanctuary and, and, and trying to get it ready for our first service. And, and, and I'm up on a ladder, I'm hanging a video projector, we're putting up a, a, a projection screen and, and, and we're hanging it. And this pastor from the area, he walks in and, and he looks at me while I'm up on a ladder, I'm sweating, I'm dirty, I've been in the attic running cables and all this kind of stuff. And, and, and this pastor looks at me when he walks in and he says, that'll never work here. And I went, excuse me? And he said, that will never work, man. He said, this isn't Tampa where you come from. Media in a sanctuary, it doesn't work here. People just want to have church. It's just not going to work. Well, well, thank you very much. You know, did I move to Mayberry or Newberry? Which one is it? You know, uh, are we that far behind in times? Uh, And I'm going to be honest with you because I I thought about this this past week. Uh, how, How bad did I want to take a picture of last Sunday when there were 700 people underneath a tent in 90 degree plus weather sweating their you know what's off and and, and there's two video screens on each side of the stage and, and, and lights and big sound and all that kind of stuff. I just wanted to take pictures and just send it to the guy and say nanny nanny nanny. You know that's what I wanted to do. Wanted to. I didn't. I didn't. That's how you know your pastor's saved because I didn't do it. I didn't do it but I, I did think about it. But I, But you know I was just 10 years ago, I was this young 31-year-old pastor that needed encouragement, not discouragement. I I, I think about the basketball coach that told me during my first week of 11th grade at a new school, I didn't know anybody, and he told me that there was no room on the basketball team for me. He, He told me that because I had not been a part of that school since the ninth grade, that he didn't have room for me on the roster. It was too late, didn't even know if I could play basketball or not, didn't even care if I would come out for tryouts or not. And I was this 15-year-old new student in a new school that needed encouragement, not discouragement. And some people have the ability to take the wind right out of yourselves. It seems as if their spiritual gift 
is discouragement. That they think God has given them the ability to discourage you. Those people, man, they, they, those people just suck the life right out of you, don't they? They do. But that's not the people I'm talking about. That's not the people I'm referring to right now. No, no, there's this completely different kind of discourager that will sometimes show up on your path. And discouragement, although it can be a tool of the enemy, can also be an instrument of God used to keep us from going down the wrong path. And for some of us, we have never stopped to think could God use somebody to discourage me, to take the courage away from me, to keep me from going down this path? Now, I'm losing some of you because you're like, God would never work that way. I'm going to show you how God will work that way in your life. So as you turn to Numbers chapter 22, I want to give you the history behind our text. Numbers chapter 22. Let me, let me talk to you about what's happening leading up to this. The Israelites had just defeated the Amorites and, and word was traveling very fast that they were a large army. They had set up camp in the plains of Moab and the Moabites entered into an alliance with the Midianites and, and, and there was this scared king of Moab and his name was, was Balak and, and he sent elders of those two nations who were now in alliance with one another. Um, he sent these elders to this man. He was a prophet by the name of Balaam. And Balaam, he, he was a Gentile prophet. He was not a Jew. He was a Gentile prophet who didn't necessarily have Israel's best interests in mind. Uh, many people want to refer to Balaam as, as a false prophet. He wasn't a false prophet because there were things that the guy said that came to pass, but he was an evil prophet. His heart was not right with God. And the elders tried to persuade Balaam by means of a bribe to pronounce a curse on the advancing armies of, of the Israelites. They were scared of the Israelites and how God was beginning to bless them in their victories. But Balaam refused to go with those elders. And then King Balak, he, he sent a second request and, and he enhanced it with, with higher rank of the messengers and even more alluring promises. He's promising him more money now. And not only did God permit Balaam to go with these men, the Bible says that God actually commanded him to go with him. However, the rule was you only speak what God tells you to speak speak, Balaam. Don't you say anything else. You only say what I tell you to say. But apparently, Balaam's intentions were not that pure. God knew his heart as he was traveling. And, and so here's where the story gets really crazy. And, and some of you, you're going to have a hard time buying into it. You're going to have a hard time believing it because an animal is about to talk. It's about to happen. We're about to read this, this history book where this, this donkey actually talks. And it has nothing to do with Shrek, but there is a donkey. That's a boulder, that's a nice boulder. Here we go, you ready? You ready? 22, Numbers 22, starting uh, at verse, let's start at verse 21. So Balaam rose in the morning and saddled his donkey and went with the prince, princes of Moab. But God's anger was kindled because he went, and the angel of the Lord took his stand in the way as his adversary. Now he was riding on the donkey, and his two servants were with him. 
And the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a drawn sword in his hand. And the donkey turned aside out of the road and went into the field. Balaam struck, struck the donkey to turn her into the road. Then the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow path between the vineyards with a wall on either side. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she pushed, pushed against the wall and pressed Balaam's foot against the wall. So he struck her again. Then the angel of the Lord went ahead and stood in a narrow place where there was no way to turn either to the, to the right or to the left. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she laid down under Balaam. And Balaam's anger was kindled, and he struck the donkey with his staff. Now, just, just hold on just for a minute. We're going to pick it up in just a moment and keep reading. But, but anybody have a pet that just frustrates you? I mean, be, just be honest. Raise your hand. Tell the truth right now. I mean, just uh, you, you love it, but you hate it. You want to kill it, but you keep feeding it, you know? You, you know what I'm talking about. One of those, we have this little miniature Dotson in our house called CC, and she rules the roost, and the older she gets, uh, the, she just, she, she just, she's awful. She's awful. She, she'll hide underneath the beds, and, and she's got to where she won't do this to me, but, but, but when you try to reach up underneath the bed to, to, to get her, she knows you're going to put her up in the utility room whenever we're leaving, and, and so she'll snap at people's fingers, and she has been known to, to lock on pretty good and even draw blood in a few instances, and so um, she did that to me one time, and, and she drew blood, uh, actually, on, on my hand, and when I grabbed that dog, she latched onto my hand, and I pulled her out from underneath that bed. I threw her in, in a chair in my son's bedroom, and I beat the living fire out of that dog. Now, you can call PETA, you can call anybody you want to, but, but I clean up after that dog. I, 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 I don't bathe that dog. I, I don't do that. Other people in the house bathe that dog, but I feed that dog and I put water in her bowl and all that kind of stuff. I let her lay in my lap when she's tired and that dog is not going to bite me and I beat the fire out of that dog. Not lying. I'm not lying at all. Now, I can feel the frustration that Balaam has with his donkey because this is not a new donkey to him. This is something that he has had for a while. And so verse 27 again says, When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she lay down under Balaam, and Balaam's anger was kindled, and he struck the donkey with his staff. Then the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey. And I want you to notice this. Notice the, the gender of the donkey. And she, that explains a lot right there. Let's keep moving on, okay? I'm not even going to look at the front row right now. <laughs> then the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey, and she said to Balaam, What have I done to you that you have struck me these three times? This donkey talks. She turns around, looks at Balaam, and says, What have I done to you, Balaam, that you want to strike me three times? And, and, and watch this. And Balaam said to the donkey, What? He's not even freaked out by it. He just responds to the donkey. She said, what have I done to you that you have struck me these three times? And Balaam said to the donkey, because you have made a fool of me. My servants are here with me. They are travel. I have travel companions and you want to treat me like this? He says, uh, you have made a fool of me. I wish I had a sword in my hand for then I would kill you. And the donkey said to Balaam, am I not your donkey? on which you have ridden all your life long to this day. Is it my habit to treat you this way? Is it my habit? Is this in my character? You've been riding me your whole life. Is, is this who I am? Do I treat you like this, Balaam? Don't you know that if I'm doing this, there's a reason behind it? And Balaam says, no. No, you've never made it a habit of treating me like that. 
Verse 31, then the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his drawn sword in his hand, and he bowed down and fell on his face, and the angel of the Lord said to him, why have you struck your donkey these three times? Behold, I have come out to oppose you because your way is perverse before me. Or, or another translation says reckless. Your way is reckless before me. The donkey saw me and turned aside before me these three times. If she had not turned aside from me, surely just now I would have killed you and let her live. I, I was going to kill you, Balaam. But the talking donkey is going to live. Verse 34, then Balaam said to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned for I did not know that you stood in the road against me. Now, therefore, if it is evil in your sight, I will turn back. And the angel of the Lord said to Balaam, go with the men, but speak only the word that I tell you. So Balaam went on with the princes of Balak. Man, what a story. What a story. And some of you are having a hard time buying into this right now. But before you dismiss this story as some fairy tale because a donkey said some words, let me ask the women in the room one question that I know will change your mind. Why do you have a hard time believing that God caused a donkey to have an intelligent conversation when you know he's done the same thing with your husband? If God can cause a man to have an intelligent conversation, don't you know that he can use a donkey also? Amen? God used Balaam's donkey as a divine discourager to keep him from making a mistake. He had his mind set. I'm heading there and I do not have Israel's best interests in mind and there's some money being flashed before me and, 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 and this is looking pretty appetizing to me right now and that's what happens in life. We find ourselves pursuing things that God is nowhere near and if we will open our eyes, we'll realize that there are moments when God puts divine discouragers in our path just like Balaam's donkey. There are divine discouragers that God will put in your way. And you'll be forced to go around these people before you get out of God's will. And the problem is that so many of us keep going around these, these, these divine uh, uh, discouragers and we keep pursuing things that God has, has, has no business or we have no business pursuing because it's not in God's plan for our lives. And Balaam was about to make a huge mistake. He was about to be enticed by a bribe to side with Israel's opposition. But, but God cared enough to put a discourager in his, past, in his path. Because here's the thing. Here's what we don't realize about this story. This story is not about whether or not Israel will be cursed. Th that's what so many of us think. We, we, we read this and we think, wow, man, God went to the extreme just so one man could not stand up and pronounce cursings over Israel. But this story is not about that. You see, God had already made it very clear whose side that he was on in Genesis chapter 12 and verse 3 when he said, I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So God had already drawn the line in the sand and said whose side he is on. I can promise you if God has ordained Israel's path, Balaam is not going to stand up and change that. God was not concerned with whether or not Israel was going to be cursed or not. But this story is about God's mercy towards one man, Balaam. 
All because God did not want Balaam to go down the wrong path and to make the wrong choices for his life that would get him out of the will of God. God cares enough about you and your way that he will intentionally put people in your way. This reminds me of that time when I was around 10 years old. I had this old moped. This thing was a beater, man. My dad bought me this moped, got it running for me. It was a beater, and dad somehow took a governor or something off this thing, and it would scoot, man. This thing would go, and I treated it like a motorcycle. I rode this thing rough. Later on, dad would buy me a motorcycle, but a little dirt bike, but, but this was my motorcycle, and I had some friends that had go-karts and friends that had motorcycles, and, and we would hit the fire trails, and fire trails that had some hills on them and stuff, and I would jump or at least I thought I was jumping. I might not have got off the ground at all, but, but I would attempt to jump these hills on this moped and I would just turn the throttle wide open as I'm just riding this moped. And, and that was kind of the thing. To get the power out of it, I just turned it wide open and, and, you know, to get it going. And this was one of those mopeds that you had to lean forward on the kickstand and you had to pedal it to get it started, you know. And so if, if I wasn't going fast enough and I've got the throttle wide open, I'd start pedaling the thing as fast as I could, you know, because that, that was my turbo boost, you know. At 10 years old, you believe that. And so I, I'm, I'm, I'm riding this thing one day, and, and my friend, my friend Donnie is, is on the back, and, and he's holding on for dear life. We look like a scene out of Dumb and Dumber. And, and he's holding on, and I've got, I've got the throttle wide open on this thing, and we round the corner of the house into the backyard. And as we come into the backyard, I realize I can't slow down because the thing didn't have brakes. Why mom and dad let me ride it, I don't know. But, but it didn't have brakes, and my throttle was stuck. It, it didn't matter what I did. This thing is locked and wide open and we are heading through the backyard straight for a fence. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, my dad, Jack L. McKinley, steps out. He's between me and the fence, between the moped and the fence. Donnie's holding on. Donnie, I can't stop. I can't stop. It's, it's locked. Uh, the throttle's locked. I can't stop. I can't stop. And dad stands there and he stretches out his arm and he knocks us off this moped. He stood between us and the fence and just tackles us off. And the moped keeps going and hits the fence. Boom. And we're laying on the ground. Dad's laying on the ground with us. He put himself in the path to keep us from getting hurt. God will put people in your path to keep you from going down that destructive way. God will put people in your life to derail you, to keep you from having the courage to do what you think you have to do. Because there are times when your courage can be dangerous. Listen, all the self-help gurus, they're not going to agree with me right now, and I, I don't really care. But there are times when your courage can be dangerous because you wholeheartedly believe that you're doing what is best for your life. And the decision that you are about to, to, about to make has the potential to blow up, and you can't see it because you're so locked on the prize. You're so locked on the destination that you can't see it. But Proverbs 16 and 9 says, In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. 
And sometimes in order to establish those steps, he has to have a divine derailment. He cannot have you going that, 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 that direction. And so God has to have somebody to discourage you. Because when your courage has you heading down a disastrous path, God is going to put divine discouragement there. And, and sometimes you need something to pull the destructive courage out from underneath you. Let me show you what I mean, okay? It's about to get real, really quick, okay? But, but, but let me show you what I'm talking about. Do you remember that time that you were so locked on? You were determined and you wanted to spend money that you shouldn't spend or money that you didn't even have maybe and your spouse stood in the path? You remember that time? I told you. Buckle up. Here we go. You ready? You wanted that new purse, right? Oh, you wanted that new boat. You felt entitled to that new car or that new truck. You deserve it, right? A new house, it looked extremely appetizing because everybody else was building a new house, right? But your spouse, they stood in the path between you and your want. Or maybe you were sick and tired of your job and you were about to hand in your two weeks notice or you were about to call and cuss out your ex and you were going to give him a piece of your mind. But God put someone in your path to stop you from doing it. Now listen, she may be as stubborn as a mule, but it prevented a custody meltdown, right? Uh, uh, he may have acted like a a donkey, but it prevented financial disparity for your home, right? Right? You know what? It's your fault if you don't have your kids in, in children's church right now. They're rated G over here. We're PG over here. He may have acted like an ass, okay? Let's just go out and say it. He may have acted like that. He was stubborn, and, and you did not like the way he was doing it. But what if, what if God just put him there in that moment to bring some kind of clarity to the situation, huh? But we're too blinded because we see what we want and nobody can tell us any different. We're too blinded to even hear the voice of God speaking through someone. Thank God for my wife because I can tell you there's moments when she's talked me out of making a mistake. And I can assure you, I've done the same for her. Thank God for, for wise counsel in my life. That they've looked at me. Quality men, godly men that have said, Pastor, don't do that. Because it's not going to turn out the way you want it to. God will put people on your path to remove your misguided courage. You've got these preconceived notions of what you think your life should look like, but there are times when it doesn't line up with God's desire. Isaiah 55 and 8, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. And he loves you enough to discourage you in your intentions. He will discourage, discourage. He will remove courage. Because when you have unholy hope and ungodly courage in your life, 
it needs to be removed. And God will do that. He'll put people there to do it. In 1999, I was looking to make a change from the, the first youth pastor position that I had. I wasn't making a lot of money for the first two years of ministry. My first two years of ministry, I made $19,200 a year. We needed more money. And that's all that I could see is that we needed more money. And so the first part of 1999, an opportunity came my way and somebody told me about a church down in Fort Myers, a, a large church in Fort Myers that they were looking to hire. And so I made a phone call to the church and I was told very quickly that the, the office administrator would be the one who would be collecting the resumes and actually conducting the interviews for the pastor. So I called and spoke with the office administrator, hoping that I could just get in the door and get a meeting with the pastor because I felt like if I could get a face-to-face -face meeting at some point in an interview, I felt like I could sell myself and, and, and maybe I could go to that church and, and provide for my family. That first phone call was one of the most discouraging phone calls that I've ever made in my life because... The office administrator told me, you can send in your resume, but basically you don't have a shot. How many years experience do you have? I have two years experience, that's not enough. Go ahead, you can go through the motions if you want to, but. And I hung up the phone call so discouraged. I, I, I was scratching my head going, God, why? Why am I sitting here struggling to make ends meet, trying to provide for my family? Why, God? Why is this happening? And just a few months later, God opened the door for me to interview and be hired at University Church in Tampa, which was one of the most prestigious churches in the Tampa Bay area. Later on, I could figure out why God didn't let that happen and he let this happen because it was there at that church that, that I would be mentored that ministry insights would be poured into me and things that, that are paying off for us right now here at Destiny Community Church. That's the stuff that was poured into me. Thank God that he put me where he wanted me. But that divine discouragement from an office administrator on the phone, she, she may not know how God used her, but I thank God that he used that talking donkey. Because let me tell you what happened five years later. Five years later, a new pastor goes to that church. He leads a rebellion, splits the church, leaves half the church with a huge mortgage payment on a building that needs repair and they can't afford. He goes across town, starts another church, and today, all these years later, almost 20 years later, today, both churches are struggling to survive. God derailed my plans and my thoughts by putting a divine discourager in my way to keep me from making the wrong decision. And it's strange that even times 
God will use a donkey to do such. Maybe even today, he might be using this donkey right here to discourage you from making that mistake and following that path that's going to lead to your downfall. Maybe some people are whispering in your ear right now, leave him, divorce him, get, get him out of your life. But I'm telling you right now, it's worth fighting for. Don't walk away. Some of you, you're fed up on the job. You're ready to walk out. I'm here to tell you, don't you walk out until you have something else to walk into. You better lay some fleeces out before God. You better say, God, you need to show me where I need to be. Don't you walk away from that until you have some answers. For some of you, it's about your family, and it's just about spiritual decisions you've got to make for your family. And you're heading one way. God's calling you this way. And I'm telling you, as your pastor, make some of the hard decisions for your family right now because you're leading them down a path that they have no business going. You'll thank me later, but you listen to this old mule. Don't do it. Don't go down that path. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. We pray you have been blessed by today's message. We would love to meet you in person. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org or call the church office at 352-472-3284. Thanks again for listening. Destiny Community Church, for life's journey.